Um, I don't know if we just should just have a few moments of silence for the, the listener to appreciate the vista here. Uh, it's very beautiful. Lots of red trucks. Big red trucks. If you've ever wondered when a red Royal Mail truck turns up, where does that truck come from? Uh, the answer is here. It's come from here. There are a lot of them. They're different sizes, different types. They're all red. This is the sorting place. It looks like a big fire station. Except here the water is letters. Yeah, and the fire is a need for uh, to know what's happening at the front. <laughs> From your lover. Or, or just likes of council news. Yeah. Mainly council news nowadays. Hello, I'm Phil Wang. I'm presenting uh, this episode at the Postal Museum here in London. We're currently um, overlooking it, the Postal Museum, and the Mount Pleasant post office uh, headquarters, the, uh, which has been described to me as the spiritual home of British Post. Uh, a lot of pizza vouchers, invitations to sort of give monthly to charity. Uh, my, uh, my special magazines. That you never remember ever subscribing <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. love those. <laughs> yeah. It's like Unicycle Weekly. Where, when, when, did I sign, what, what, when did I tick this box? <laughs> I like those uh, fancy rural magazines that have names like House and horse, <laughs> flat caps and gun dogs, and they're always in um, they're in W. H. Smiths in nice regional towns. Uh, I'm here with my friend, uh, comedian, and podcaster Pierre Novelli. Hello. Hi, Pierre. Hi, man. Why why did you choose the uh, post office museum? Uh, it's the Postal Museum. Post- I, oh, I Post Office it... Museum would be a museum of the physical buildings yeah, of, of Post. post. Whereas yeah. this is an abstract museum of the concept of... The concept is Post, uh, Post in travel, Post in stasis. Uh, are you excited about my choice, Pierre? I think, I think so. I think you have picked something that will turn out to be really good. Oh, good. But I'm also excited... It currently seems very boring. No, well, I, this, what I'm excited by is that either it will turn out to be like, oh, you know, post, and it'll be so interesting, or you will have really misjudged this, and I will <laughs> be able to make fun of you for it throughout. So either so way, it's a, win-win, good day. Yeah. it's a win-win for me. Absolutely. Also at the Postal Museum is the now famous Mail Rail, uh, an abandoned underground mail delivery system. Uh, here in London, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. Had you heard about the mail rail, Pierre? Before I've never I heard of the mail rail. Like I say, the, the famous mail rail. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe famous among fans of uh, mail and rail. Mail and rail. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so very excited to explore the Postal Museum. Uh, we're going to head in now. We're going to post ourselves through the door of the Postal Museum. See if they appreciate that. Sort us out. This is Meet Me at the Museum with me, Phil Wang. And Pierre Novelli. This, okay, so the, we've just been told there's competitive post sorting at this museum. I'm not really a competitive man, but I do like a bit of sorting. Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite competitive. So Pierre has got um, the red office, I've got the blue office, and in front of us we have pigeonholes labelled with uh, various cities around the UK. So we've got Stafford, Glasgow, uh, Rugby, to name a few. All right, so okay, uh, well, three, two, um, happy sorting, Pierre. All three, right, two, two, one, one go. go. Okay, so I've got um, oh god, Darlington. Uh, uh, this, uh, much slower. Uh, oh yeah, I'm much worse than I thought. Uh, so uh, Mrs. Smith, she lives in Watford. Where's Watford over there? Uh, 
Not sure if this feature works quite as well on the audio as I thought. London. Oh, I, that's where I Each time we uh, saw something, it's green light goes Now, this is quite a nerdy place to come, I guess you could say, the personal museum. I'm, I'm, people are often saying that my stand-up is n- n- nerdy. I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think I just wear glasses. You wear glasses and you're Asian, so they assume like they, they don't listen. And they, they people say, "What was Phil joking about?" And they go, oh, "Computers, I think, and, and hacking." Because you know. But it is uh, always the case, is it? Mine's nerdy, but again, I don't think it is. This year's Edinburgh show had a lot of little nuggets in there. Mm. Like I don't. It's not the point of the shows, but I keep them in there for other fellow weirdos. But the, the, the more obscure a reference you make in a show, like the fewer people who get it, but more intense their pleasure. That's it, yeah. Right. It's almost like there's a set amount of pleasure per joke. Yes, yeah, it's like a waterbed effect. Yes. You can have it all pop up under one guy. Yeah. <laughs> and or, no one else gets it. Yeah, or well, everyone gets a bit of, a bit of uh, support. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I do remember, though, that like, on the circuit in the world of comedy, you and I are seen as, uh, as like, nerdy within, with, or within that umbrella. Because, mm. I mean, you've spoken about... You've brought a bit of engineering into some of your routines, or you'll talk a bit philosophically about stuff. We're not, we're not, we're not the poo poo bum bum men. No, uh, <laughs> who are great and do book them, but uh, <laughs> they're they're good friends of ours. They're good friends of ours. Bum, uh, the poo poo bum bum men. I have uh, many good poo poo bum bum friends. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just not something that we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember at university where you and I, by our fellow, you and me. Sorry, yeah, you and me. No, I don't think it is. Were you and I... Oh, no, it depends what you... Oh, God, hang on. I'm, I'm just trying to... Fuck with you. I'm just messing there is, with you. There is one where it's you and me. There's yeah, one where... If it's at the end, if we're the subjects. Objects. Subjects. If we're the subjects. Yes, if you attacked you and me. They attacked yeah, you and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, definitely not nerdy at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I remember at university where our stand-up, by comparison, was viewed openly by our colleagues as the more accessible, observational, public-facing sort of student stand-up. I suppose. And in certain gigs on the fringe, they'd be like, well, we'll put Pierre or Phil on at the end or at the beginning because it'll sort of... You can count on them to... You won't frighten the horses and then we'll get some of these real... You'll appease these... These kooks up on there. These poop munchers and then in the crowd. I certainly found that at the at university and then I sort of thought, oh, I'm very accessible and for everyone and observational. And then I joined the circuit and it was like... Tone, tone down the book learning, <laughs> yeah. Millhouse. You know? So that's, I think we are nerds, I'm afraid, in the real world. My, 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 my degree, um, at first glance, would seem more relevant to today's activities. I studied engineering university. I, did, um, uh, I actually did a uh, module on rail mm. and rail gauges and rail mechanics. Mm. Yeah, your degree may be also quite relevant. What did you study? Uh, Anglo-Saxon, Norse, and Celtic mm, studies. Yeah. So, so we're both um, going to go into this, uh, experts. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. B. Terrier. Stafford. Stafford Terrier. Very uh, okay. Warrington. Have you been to Warrington, Pierre? I've been to Warrington. Yeah, because Pierre and I are stand-ups, we end up going to uh, all these, all sorts of corners in the UK. I'm now better travelled in the UK than most British people. Uh, Carlisle. Take a left at Carlisle. Then now the lights are flashing to indicate a, a decisive yeah, Novelli victory. Yeah, it has frowns me there. Wow! Why is this left here? And now it has a reset automatically. This the, 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 pigeonholes, the pigeonholes are like a bowling pin alley where they just shoot out the, the sorted letters back into the dish underneath. The story of my life is I'm not competitive until I um, lose, which I always do because I'm not competitive when I should have been. 
okay. Oh, what? It's a penny farthing with five wheels on it. There's a, the big classic penny farthing um, wheel in the middle, but then it's got like four stabilizers. I bet the people who rode these were made fun of by people who rode like proper penny farthings, right? Yeah. Like, like training wheels. There are four training wheels on this. this it's essentially, it's, it's, it's an enormous unicycle with an entire car structure built around it. So <laughs> a the, unicycle the, with a chassis put on top. Yes, the worst unicycler in the world could learn how to unicycle on this. And um, it, is a, it is a hipster's dream, this uh, rare penny farthing with the stable wheels. Well, it's quite functional because it's got baskets on not just the front end, not just the back end, but both the front and back ends. And if cartoons have taught me anything, Phil, those baskets are full of the sort of delicious picnic that a bear would want to steal. <laughs> of course, back then, London had a terrible bear problem, uh, infestation yeah. of grizzlies. Yeah, and a real, as a, a correspondingly serious, picnic problem. <laughs> In the middle of the street, people would just be laying down carpets and having sandwiches. Uh, brought the city to a halt. Yeah, Piccadilly Circus was abs- an absolute tartan nightmare. That's why it's called Piccadilly Circus, because of all the um, Piccadilly Piccadilly that they had. <laughs> In the sandwiches. That's right, on their <laughs> picnic. It was the first roundabout, because cars had to drive around the picnic. They had to drive around the picnic, and also that's why all the adverts <laughs> are for Coca-Cola and drinks and things. Because <laughs> that was who was there. <laughs> um, well, a bit of the feedback on the display here, Phil, points out. A feedback from a Mr. Philipston. Uh, pointing out that the way the thing is designed means that on a perfectly smooth surface, it's obviously a wonderful ride, but on literally any other surface on Earth, it is a goddamn nightmare. I'm paraphrasing, of the course. The direct quote is, for, an, for ordinary traveling, it is said to be an impractical machine. And this is from... Um, Mr. Philipston. Oh, yeah, Mr. Philipston is a user of the Hen and Chicks Pentacycle. That's what it's called, the Pentacycle. A Pentacycle is a, a, is a bicycle for Satanists. <laughs> I don't recall getting any post in Malaysia. And from time to time, it was all the more magical. Because mm. it's more just that some, that a system in the country had worked yeah. more than anything else. It's like, oh my God. Something's arrived. Something's arrived. Something, this wasn't lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I share a passion for critiquing our native country's infrastructure. Yeah, dreadful. Utterly <laughs> terrible. Um, my grand I just remember this. My, we can't find the letters. They must be somewhere in South Africa with my uncle, maybe. But my grandfather, my dad's dad, had a, a, a Japanese pen pal. Mm. Uh, and, he, and so from Pretoria to, to Tokyo, I think. And he would learn Japanese and write in Japanese to this guy. And the guy would write back in English. Hmm. And they would, play, they would play board games by post. Uh, did you, did d- you ever have a pen pal? I had a, a French pen pal. I had a pen pal who was in England, I think, when I was in Malaysia. Really? Yeah, we wrote each other. I told him about how Malaysia had the biggest flower in the world, the Rafflesia. Mm. He was suitably impressed. Sure. Uh, I don't recall what else we talked about. I'm sure it was very sweet. Yeah. You know. Um, do you send any letters now anymore? Like my, my last relationship, I, we, we sent each other letters as a fun romantic thing and that lasted I think maybe two letters yeah I mean I, I there's, a, there's someone who I, I should write a letter to because they're abroad uh, and they can only get letters oh because they've sort of secluded themselves abroad and what who's this person as a friend from university but and I still a monastery I, or something no it's a long story oh, okay. but I still haven't done it because <laughs> I'm very lazy <laughs> um, I'm very lazy and a bad friend but um yeah, me and my, my I don't we don't write letters anymore because we live in the same flat. But my friend John, who you know, yeah, we used to write each other letters at university for fun. 
but in a deliberately pompous. Oh, that's funny. Like we try and write them the way that Samuel Pepys would write, and and sort of fill them with kind of ludicrous sentiment and <laughs> enormously inflated assessments of, of world that's the affairs. Thing, when you read those old letters, friends talk to each other like they're in love, yeah. <laughs> like they want to sleep with each other. Yeah, it's insane. Like um, someone who knows Shakespeare better than me recently told me that a lot of his sonnets. Are addressed to his friends. He's like yeah. not even to romantic interests. Yeah. But he speaks as though he wants to kiss him. Uh, we are now having a tea and cake in the cafe because uh, we told our producer Nathan that we're tired. Ah, it looks like we're being joined by uh, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. Phil, I'm sorry, my mouth is full of cherry cake. That's right. Hi. Chris, I'm Pierre. My mouth is not full of cherry cake. Hello. Pierre's left the crust of his cake. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> eating it in order. Just in case you're wondering whether or not he's a good boy, he ain't. Um, the way I uh, divide up food is... Um, it's, it's odd to the extent that there might be medically something worth looking into there. Um, things have to be divided into sections and then eaten according to the qualities of each section. Wonderful. We're now joined by Chris, head of collections <laughs> at the Postal Museum. <laughs> um, just thought you might, we might let you into uh, our psyches there, Chris. The kind of thing we talk, uh, talk about normally and think about all the time. So you're head, you're head of collections here at the Postal Museum, is that right? I am, yes. Yes, I look after all of the all of the collections that we that we take care of here, that which is on display, but also that which we hold in storage and we make available for research and things. Oh, this is uh, well, this is a question I'm sure every listener wants uh, uh, me to ask. Is there a million pound rare stamp here? There's some very rare stamps here. There's some um, very valuable stamps here. Um, we don't value our stamps. We don't value our collection. But most How museums don't. <laughs> We look at the value of the collection in terms of its historic uh, oh. and its cultural importance. No, but people want to know how expensive they are. Yeah, absolutely, but unfortunately that's, that's not something we do. And most museums don't value their, put a financial value on their collection. We, we look at the, a different sort of value. But undoubtedly, you know, the items in the collection do hold a financial value and people would pay for things uh, and do pay for things in private collections that we also hold in, in our collection. What's the most rare stamp here? Wow. I'm, I'm making a voice like I'm going to steal it, but I promise I won't steal it. <laughs> well, we've got we've got a huge range. We've got millions upon millions of stamps. I mean, some of the the, the sort of most um, special stamps, I suppose, really are some of the earliest stamps. The Penny Black is the most famous, um, and we'll get a chance to to have a look at a sheet of Penny Blacks later on. Oh, fantastic! Well, Chris, you've certainly sold them to me, um, who is definitely not going to try and steal a bunch of stamps. Now we are standing in front of an entire sheet, a, 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 a decadent, decadent sheet of Penny Blacks, the first ever stamp, uh, 1840, it says. What's amazing is that they're in the, the exact same layout that stamps are bought in now. They're just the same grid. The, the, the sheet is a bit longer, sort of looks like something the Constitution might be written on. But and it, it doesn't look perforated. It looks like they would have had to cut them with scissors. Fascinating. There, and there are a lot of... I, I, I can't, we can't overstate this. There are a lot of Penny Blacks in front of us right there's now. There's a king's ransom of Penny Blacks. Um, there's maybe... One, oh, two, God, three, quick math. Ten, ten by... 140. One hundred and forty. My God. 240. 240. Um, and if they're each a penny, that's £2.40, Chris. What would it have been in 1840? Oh, oh God. Uh, Why pre- are there 240 of them? Oh, a guinea. Is that right? Yeah. I, get, I just, I just I tried to remember one of the high ones from reading <laughs> Sharp. 
Um, <laughs> that's... But the thing was, a penny in those days was, was, was affordable. Postal system prior to the introduction of the penny black wasn't affordable for most people. It, on average, to send a letter, um, it would have been something like a week's wage for an average labourer to, to send a single letter. But it depended on where the letter was going, how many sheets of paper were used, because that's what led to the introduction of the penny black and, and postage stamps was because there was um, a real want to reduce the cost of postage. And how did they manage to make it affordable then? The idea really came from a man called Roland Hill, who was a, a school teacher um, and an education reformer. And what he wanted to do was to allow and to increase literacy in people. He wanted people to, to want to learn to read and write. And because postage was so expensive, ordinary people couldn't afford to send letters. They didn't necessarily feel the need to learn to read and write because they had no use for it. So by, But the postal system was, was only used by a small number of people. So, so Hill's idea was that if we reduce the cost of postage, more people would use it, which would mean that the money that the Postal Service made would be as great or greater by volume rather mm. than, you know... The, initially, the post office was sceptical and they thought, well, this is ridiculous. We're not going to... We, we charge a penny to send a letter anywhere in the country. We're not going to make any money. But what happened, of course, was that millions of people started using the postal system. So they did still make money and they made more money by reducing the price. Economies of scale, you know. Thanks so much for showing around, Chris. It's some absolutely fabulous stuff. And I absolutely promise not to steal any stamps. Thank you. You're very welcome. And thank you for not stealing anything. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm winking at Chris. And I'm realising maybe he shouldn't be the one I'm winking to. But thank you very much, Chris. Uh, have a wonderful day. I'm so excited about this mail rail. I can't even express. Literally, I can't express because I don't have the emotional aptitude to express excitement. That's true. I've, this has been a problem my entire life. People <laughs> have told me to cheer up when I've, when I've felt perfectly fine. I could tell you were excited because you picked up the manual. Oh, yeah, the reception. There's a little manual, a little map of uh, the mail uh, rail. Uh, anyway, so I'm really looking forward to getting on that mail rail because it's hard... To, because well, this has been a hot ticket. I don't know if you know this, Pierre, but the mail rail has been a hot London ticket for a while now. Mm. Yeah, you have to get on like a waiting list. You have to wait like months. It's, it's, this is the Hamilton of, of, of postal museums. Of well, museums, actually. The re- uh, what an extra pleasure in this for me is that um, now that I know that, I'll enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Because obviously not just because of the status you've just conferred on it with the waiting list and so on, but also because uh, through uh, uh, your invitation and the universe's random luck and chance I now get to skip an enormous queue to experience something that means so much less to me than the whole queue of people yes. and, and I can leave that at, uh, <laughs> I can leave that thing and be like Meh. That is and that'll be even more annoying for those people that's <laughs> a unique a, pleasure isn't it yeah, if you can go, now I met Batman he was, a, he was a brusque he was a rude man yeah. <laughs> Now, Pierre, we actually have literal tickets for the train Ooh. The one, at 155. We've got to catch the 155 um, mail rail uh, train service. Um, I think it's departing from the Postal Museum. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to riding the mail rail, we will be meeting Ray, who was uh, an engineer. who's was engineer on the mail rail cloak. I hope he looks like... Um, someone from uh, uh, um, all those sort of Christmassy films where it's like, well, climb a ball. Yes, I'm really hoping for a climb a ball <laughs> moment. 
But no, in all seriousness, Ray is probably just a normal man. Yeah. Well, let's go find out. So we've crossed over the road from the Postal Museum. We're underground, and we're now in the Mail Rail Museum. Uh, we are here with Ray, who's very kindly joined us. Hi, Ray. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'm uh, Ray Middlesworth. I was a Mail Rail engineer for 30 years, and I was in charge of maintenance from 2003 when we shut down. So the, the Mail Rail... Um, Enlightened me. The mail rail was, was it actually ever used for its purpose of delivering post? Yes, it was a very important part of uh, the mail system. It ran uh, from 1927 to 2003, and we carried up to 4 million items a day at our peak. Very important part of the mail system in London. It was originally put uh, forward because they were concerned about the congestion in London's streets, and that was proposed in 1909 when most of the traffic was horse drawn. But it was completed eventually in 27, and as I say, we ran from 27 till 2003. Very important. It was uh, our busiest time was through the night because the mail would be correct, collected in through the day, and go to the district offices, and then it would be transmitted between them during the night to uh, the different other uh, district offices in London and two of the rail hubs because we covered Paddington and Liverpool Street. From there, we could send mail up and down the country. Oh wow, that's incredible! So, how how much of an um, how large an area did did the mail rail um, serve within London? Well, the mail rail itself ran from uh, Whitechapel in East London to Paddington in West London, so it was six and a half miles long, which had twenty two and a half miles of track, including the double track and sidings. But we covered all the, the district offices in central London. So you've got Paddington in the west, which sends mail out west. You've got Whitechapel in the east. Liverpool Street, you've got um, the big sorting offices here at Mount Pleasant and Rathbone Place, so we covered most of London. But it has until now remained a relatively secret aspect of the um, London infrastructure. Why do you think that is? Why do you think only now people have started to find out about it? Well, we used to joke about it, called it the um, post office's best-kept secret, but it wasn't a deliberate secret. I think the interest has grown through time, and people are more interested in the world around them and how it actually works. So the interest has grown and grown over time, and now we have the museum. And the last survey about 10 years ago by... um, engineers said the tunnels themselves are in very good condition and would last at least another 100 years. So maybe in the future there's possibility for some other uses. Yeah, That's some British engineering but I just love it. My my father um, was he ran the railway in Borneo in in, um, Malaysia where I grew up uh, and I studied engineering at university and I did a module on rail gauges so I'm very much into trains. Uh, it runs. They, it runs in my blood, <laughs> like like an underground train. Uh, <laughs> um, Back in the uh, Second World War, they ran t- old-fashioned uh, telephone cables through there. Because I've seen cables on the wall stamped 1943. So yeah, there is, as a conduit, it would still have some use. But maybe there's a use we haven't dreamt of yet. Well, but it's certainly very uh, very difficult to bomb a cable and cut communications that are far underground. That's one of the advantages of it. Um, we never really um, had much of a problem during the Second World War. We ran all through that. We really don't seem to have the same level of forward thinkingness that even in 1907 they decided to make sure that they wouldn't suffer from you know, uh, 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 congestion or overcrowding. or They didn't wait for the problem. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, no, there was a lot. Of, as I say, when it was first proposed by the then Postmaster General, uh, there was only horse-drawn traffic, maybe the first few automobiles on the roads, and they could see the problem then. Congestion is still a major issue with London now. Mm, yeah, there's, there's similar 
um, uh, achievement with the sewage, sewage system. It was mm. designed for three times the population of London at the time, yeah. which we're now starting to, ex well, I mean, now exceeded. Yeah. But yeah, there's so much foresight given back then, and I think now projects seem to have a much more short-sighted goal. Pro projects now are, let's barely get up to capacity so people can stop complaining for about three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a remarkable piece of foresight. So, Ray, you're going to join us on the mail rail here, right? I think I will. It'll be a bit of nostalgia for me. How many times is this for you now? Uh, in the hundreds. I've lost count. <laughs> great. Does it still maintain that initial magic? Uh, it does. It oh, does. that's great. Here comes a train now. We're seeing the, the telltale glow of its headlamps illuminate. Light to the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Light to the end of the tunnel, but in this case, with um, a dangerous train coming towards you. <laughs> Rather than air and freedom. <laughs> oh, God, it sounds like a train. I'm very, very excited here. You, I can't, we can't make out the actual train for the, uh, the glow of the light in front of it. It's very cinematic. I want to leap out of the way. <laughs> yes. I want to untie a damsel from the tracks. Oh, no, to be fair, it's going quite slowly. Now she'd be fine. And now, uh, you thought that looked big. I can tell you, Pierre, it is not. If there was, like, a comedic hard cut between you saying, that looks huge, <laughs> the next scene would have you cramped into a tiny train because that's what's going to happen. Limbs at wrong angles. So. Yeah, your knees poking out uh -huh. akimbo. Okay. Um, God, it is tiny. It is. <laughs> Pierre is sweating uh, already at the I'm, prospect of these cabins. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating in an attempt to reduce my body mass. Pierre is a very large fella for mm. the listener. Not like in the sense of the first victim in uh, Seven. If, yeah, if not like that. Not that kind of... <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. he's a big dude. I'm, w I'm wide. He is the last person who should be riding the mail rail tra train, essentially. And yeah. as that's been, if I'm honest, part of the reason I've invited you is because yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, but you, trick, you always trick me into small spaces. It's <laughs> 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 your only joy left in life is to trick your large friend into a small area. I'm, I'm, and I would describe my posture as uh, uh, permanent genuflection, uh, humble, 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 terrified Catholic peasant, or hunchback. To its credit, I've never felt more like post. That's <laughs> true. Are you all going to squeeze in? Yes. Yep. Okay, oh, we made to, it. Try not to lean against the sides. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try not to lean against the sides. Uh, oh, God. Oh, just to. like the Titanic tried not to sink. I, I do feel, feel safe. I do. I feel like um, in, in, I'm in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I feel like a Soviet space dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, this experience currently ranks pretty high in the league table of my life experiences. Um, it has combined um, many of my passions, um, namely systems. Mm. Ooh, Thanks sudden noises. Please refrain from leaning against the being reminded once more to not lean against the sides um, from a lady who obviously does not understand fluid Hello dynamics. Welcome oh. to Mail Rail. Oh God. You're about to explore some of London's hidden underground postal railway. I'm Andy, your guide today, and I'm joined by Ray Middlesworth. Hi, Ray. Hi. Oh, it's Ray. I worked here as an engineer for 27 years, keeping the trains running. So now I take my revenge. <laughs> this unique so that's our, our friend Ray, who turns out to have been, he's a, he's a local celebrity here. We're now going through the tunnels here. Uh, 
I mean, there's not much else to say about that. We're going through tunnels. It is, it's like the underground tunnel, but maybe a, a quarter of the size. And it feels like it. Um, is this is this a poor time, Phil, to mention my um, my uh, uh, claustrophobia-induced explosive diarrhea? No, this is the perfect time to find out about that. I I'm speeding up now. We pick suddenly pick up speed. Oh wow! This is quite fast. Yeah, this is actually pretty pacey now. Wow! So there's sandbags here to catch runaway trains. Can you imagine a runaway mail rail train? Ooh, the lights are... <gasps> so a little film has started playing to There's the a projector, side. and I can almost look at it with my cramped neck. We're under Mount Pleasant Sorting Office, oh, heading brilliant. east to Whitechapel. That's Ray's voice again. It was hard work down here. Is Ray real? We Did we really we meet part him? Of something important. Ray died 20 years ago, spirit. <laughs> I, I can't believe that postcodes were only invented in the 70s. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's very good. If video games have taught me anything, Phil, at the end of this tunnel is a very uh, uh, high-level piece of armor <laughs> that we can loot from a chest or perhaps uh, uh, a member of the undead. Oh, okay, it's going pitch black again. It feels like, okay, it feels like the, the train has failed. It feels like the train has broken down. Very theatrical. Very theatrical, or maybe it literally has broken down. We yet to find out. Oh, it's an ominous sound of a train approaching. A different train. Oh, it's pretty scary. It's getting pretty close now. Ah. Oh, okay. Actually, a bit scary. Okay, now it sounds like it's gone overhead. Ah, don't worry, everybody. Oh, thank God. Just a power cut. Ray, can you explain? Power cuts happen from time to time when the railway was operational. So that was a power cut. We could draw power from the next um, station along to keep everything running. I feel like by this disappointing. Okay, uh, on we go. should break down on a routine trip. Um, <laughs> On a tour, what's more? On a tour, very embarrassing for the, the mail rail. How embarrassing that they had to get Ray to pre-record uh, some information about power cuts. It's so common is a failure. failures here. Yeah. Poor Ray had to record an apology. Poor Ray. We are now, we've just passed um, the rotting corpse of Postman Pat. Very sad to see that <laughs> uh, there. But, and his uh, black and white cat. Yeah. Now, of course, mostly white bones. Mostly white bones. There does seem to be some... Uh, evidence that the cat tried to eat Pat to yeah. uh, prolong its uh, damned life for just a few more moments, and uh, who, 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 who can blame it? I'm excited to see if the tunnels have bred a race of albino blind postmen. Fascinating. Uh, who, because they have no need for uh, eyes, as there's no natural light down here in the tunnels, have developed an, a, a, an advanced system of sonar and smell, as well as uh, translucent skin and torsos. Yes, yes, just um, regularly uh, shouting the word post to build a mental picture of the surroundings. To, to echolocate other postmen. Yes, in which they reply, uh, man. <laughs> in a sort of Marco Polo post fashion. Man. Postman. Yeah. Uh, and um, also the phrase postman, uh, a haunting uh, prediction of uh, a post human society, I suppose, in which this might be very common. Almost certainly through nuclear war. Yes. This might be a future we're all uh, tumbling stupidly towards a blinded underground uh, sonar-based life. We've now been on the the mail rail, the rail, god damn it, we've now been on the mail rail for about 10 minutes. Your tour oh, of no, 15 minutes. That, that is the end of the It was unique, trip. and I love being part of the great team keeping the railway running. Uh, we're now terminating, I suppose the service is terminating 
at a more museum so we can read up on yeah. the rest of the mail rail. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And delightful. Our trip, especially to the mail rail, reminded me of just like the complexity and scale that civil engineering projects require. And of course, there's the mechanical aspects in the railway as well. The, there was just, it, it, it just confirmed for me my choice in, going, in moving away from engineering because it's so hard. It's yeah. like impressive, but it's so difficult. It seemed, and also there was a point where you and Ray were talking about train bits uh-huh. when we were waiting for something to happen. Oh, yeah. And it was like you were both speaking Dutch. <laughs> really? I yeah. don't remember what you we were talking about. I could even. sort of understand, like, he was saying, and then the system does this and this and this. And you were like, oh, of course. And uh, I was oh, it's of, about to be automated. Because this, this system was in, operating in 1927, and they had unmanned electric yeah. cars going yeah. from station to station. But see, I understand that. But you guys were using a whole new vocabulary and... Like you say, oh, it, it's, it's well, that kind of... I'm impressed. I thought it was really interesting, something really interesting that Ray said when we asked, like, why is it something this intricate and vital has only come to public attention now? Mm. And he said, you know, back in the early 20th century, people weren't really interested in how things worked. They just, all that mattered was that they worked. Mm. And I guess it was a very functional society, whereas now maybe we're so detached from those mechanical, real-life... Um, tangible processes mm. it's, it's a source of fascination and it was interesting to see an, an, an older gentleman say these days people are more interested in something yeah. because normally you just get told that everyone who's alive now is an idiot yeah which is and so the, boring in the past it was great it's yeah. just not true is it no it's not true um, <laughs> do you think it's also a side effect of like um, in the same way that no one can be a casual car mechanic anymore because cars are just computers and everyone's phone is an, is, is a, is an unknowable computer. So, yeah. like, everything around you is just a magic box that does things, and you just are forced to accept it. And you go, how did you just um, make that uh, entire HD film appear from the air inside your flat? You go, I don't know. I know the buttons I pressed, but I have no concept of... And so it's more thrilling as a human to be like, I see, the wheel turns, and <laughs> yeah. it goes along the rail. It's kind yeah. of more thrilling to at least... Did you feel... Because I felt a real sense of relief being able to look at something and to at least begin to understand how it worked. For the, one of the rare times in my life. So he goes, how does Uber work? And you go, well, I mean, I can, I can tell you... Like, it's I like can a, tell you, but you won't be interested. I can tell you in a way, but I can't tell you in a meaningful way. Mm. In the same way that if we traveled back in time, it would be like, oh my God, if I traveled back in time, you could revolutionize society. And you go, okay, well then how do you make a, an electric circuit? You go, I have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that it turns on. What turns on? Electricity, what's that? It's, I know it's the same as lightning. And they just go, well, this is of no help to us at all. <laughs> You're useless to us. Yeah. But, uh, you, you have less in your head than a GCSE science textbook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas at least in the old days they could go no I have, I have the ability to make a train and everyone had a distinct job and you can understand what the job meant I'd make sure things aren't broken he tells the train to go over there yeah. and then yeah. we go home whereas, whereas now it's just a guy uh, with really high ankled trousers mm-hmm. and he says I'm a project manager mm-hmm. and I don't know if you find this Phil we're both uh, as, as stand ups we ask audience members what they do so we say hey, what, and what, what's your name Bill what do you do and I understand the replies about a quarter of the time. Oh, yeah. I think they understand their, their own replies a quarter of the time. I don't think anyone knows what they're doing. No one knows what they're doing. Well, against my own predictions, my highlight was the mail sorting game. I thought that was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really loved it. 
maybe again it harkens back to a, a tactile job in this digital world of ours. Yeah, what do you do? I sort the mail. Ah, thank you. That is useful. Thank you for your service. My hand puts the mail in the right place. I understand that job. Yeah. Yeah. Project manager. <laughs> That's not a thing. Go, vacuum, go. Yes, I've just caught um, a glimpse above us of a pneumatic tube system and the little packages, little messages floating through them. Uh, I guess where would you have seen something like this? There was in that Selfridges program. They used to have them in Selfridges, didn't they? Yeah. These pneumatic uh, tube pipes. Futurama. They're simultaneously old-fashioned and futuristic. Yes. Yes. They're very steampunk. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, very sort of wild, wild west. Oh, look at them go. Oh, it's great. One of my fantasies is to have worked in an office that had pneumatic tube. Uh, now you, you, uh, yep, there you might have been uh, hearing that uh, sound a few times. Pierre has um, a cylinder opened, and he's taking out uh, a pencil and paper, and he's writing a message. Uh, what what uh, message shall I write, Phil? I want to make it ominous. Ominous? Yeah. Um, help me, I'm stuck, in, I'm stuck in the tube. So Pierre, Pierre has gone to the other end of the hall where this uh, pneumatic system uh, ends, and I've been tasked with writing him a message to send through the pneumatic system. Uh, um, what should I write? Uh, I'm going to write... Um, Hello, Pierre, start classic. Just picking up on this email, would love to know your thoughts. Best regards, which I find to be the most passive-aggressive sign-off for no email, Phil Wang. Okay, here we go. So I'm popping it in the cylinder. Oh, a message has arrived in the time it's taken me to write Pierre something. Yes, it definitely is from Pierre. It says, bums, bums, bums. And there's a drawing of a man uh, bent over with his bum in the air, and he's giving me either the middle finger or a thumbs up. Uh, so that's classic Pierre. Uh, I feel like maybe I should change my message now, but it's too late. I'm opening what I think is... Oh, no, this is the wrong thing. This, this is for Mark at the Stock Exchange. What would you like for dinner? The age-old question. Um, that's not it. Phil sent me a message saying, Hello, Pierre, just picking up on this email. would love to know your thoughts. Best regards, Phil Wang. But I don't know what email... Is that like the joke? I don't know. So I'm going to write him back. I'm going to write back to him. Sorry, I used American grammar there. I'll never forgive myself. My dearest Philip, uh, this damn war drags on. When shall I see your uh, uh, beautiful... Uh, mixed race face again. <laughs> again. Question mark. Love. P. Kiss, kiss, kiss. There we are. I think even growing up as a, a young nerd, my favorite part of any museum trip was if they had something like this, which could really um, open you up to be able to be very uh, childish and pathetic. Did you get my reply? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um, beautiful. Yeah. It's like a war poetry. I, I was going to put something uh, slightly more risque than your beautiful mixed race face. But then <laughs> I, th I thought um, uh, um, a lot of, um, as, you, as you well know, Philip, as, a, as someone of, of, of a sort of uh, ethnic minority persuasion, 
uh, the people who are the most uncomfortable with open and honest discussion about race are supposedly enlightened middle-class white people. Oh, absolutely, and there was um, such a lady uh, stood next to me when I opened the message, so it's probably for the best that you, uh, you withheld from <laughs> something more risque. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably for the best. Did you like my? Did you get my drawing of a man with his bum out? Oh, I definitely did. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I guess the re- the whole fear about riskiness was a recent development. Well, it was a it was a fairly uh, fairly undetailed cartoon. Oh, we all the important details were there: the bum, the, thumb, oh. the thumbs up, or middle finger. I couldn't quite tell. It was a thumbs up. Uh, Ray, you were very very humble. You didn't tell us that you had already provided guidance for a. Uh, that you were the star of Mail Rail Radio. Oh, well, I, I supplied the voice uh, and sort of gave a few reminiscences, but I wouldn't say I was a star. The railway's really the star. I'm just, just there as an observer. Railways have always had their attraction anyway. They have a certain magic about railways, and this controls railways and history and uh, personalities as well, people. Do you think the appeal of railways, Ray, is that... For once in our complex, multifarious lives, there is something that is on a track. There is something with a definite destination that we need not worry about because it has been preset for us. Do you think maybe, in a way, the railway has taken the place of God? Well, I don't know. There's a bit of a claim for a railway. (laughs) That's a yes if ever I heard one. (laughs) I I think what Phil's really suggesting is that we could start that, uh, that, that new cult. A rail cult. A rail cult. Ray, would you join our rail cult? I'd like to, yes. <laughs> yes. Sign me up now. Well, we have an archbishop already. Fantastic. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The time is now 5 to 5. Please, you will be closing in 5 minutes. Thank you. Well, that's the Postal Museum and... Uh, oh god damn it Mail rail. God, that's hard to say. <laughs> Mail rail. If I've heard, learned anything from this trip is that... It is very confusing to say rail mail. No, ah, it was the mail rail. Mail rail. I guess if you got a letter through the mail rail, you would have got rail mail. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that tongue twister anymore. Yeah. Um, do you have, I, had a, I had a really good time. Did you enjoy it, Pierre? It was uh, a good day out. I, I, I will say this. We spent a long time in both museums and mm. in general, and we, we barely scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of info left unread. My highlight which I did not predict, I think, was the mail sort game. I thought it was brilliant. It was a really it was well really, done game. It was really, really fun. I want another go. It was yeah. dynamic. It was... Um, uh, tactile. Ta- tactile. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, I lost, which is annoying. But it makes you want to do it again. It makes me want to do it again. And that's, that's, that's actually a mechanic built into uh, post. It's how they get people hooked. Mm. And, you know, post offices um, always have the lights on, so it always uh, feels like it's daytime, so people never stop doing posts. That's right. <laughs> people keep writing letters long after they uh, medically should. <laughs> letters they'll regret, they'll lose their house. I guess that's a message that we'd like to end this podcast on is um, in, 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 in uh, sensible amounts, uh, post is fun, but enjoy post responsibly. When the, when the fun stops, stop, stop when it comes to post. Yeah. Um, it's where the term post-traumatic stress disorder comes from, <laughs> is uh, people who have <laughs> worked in the post office for too long and yeah. they've gone, they go postal. Yeah. Well, well um, now that you've been to the Post Museum, do you think you're going to use posts in your real life? I might, yeah. I might start posting myself threats. Um, I'm going to post them. I'm going to get very drunk so I don't remember doing it. And I'm going to phrase the threats in such a way that it tr- makes me try and do more work. And so in my own head, I'm going to create this, uh, this spectral 
haunting, threatening figure on the fringes of my life somewhere that for some reason is desperate to see me be as productive as possible. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so, so what you're saying is posts can be a force for good. Absolutely. Um, I think that's as good a, a note to end on as any. Uh, well, Pierre and I are going to go our uh, separate ways now because we don't live together. Um, yet. Not yet. Soon. Yes, Pierre and I are starting our own podcast in which we go to the Postal Museum every week. That's right. It's going to get more and more finely granulated observations about the Post Museum. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We do hope you can make it to the Postal Museum yourself. Highly recommended. Yeah, and you get a discount if you sign up and get the pass. Get the pass. The post pass. The postal pass. Pass for the post. First past the post. First past the post pass. For the post. No, seriously, it's called the National Art Pass, and um, you really must get one. It's a humdinger. Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Museum, the Art Fund podcast. Please like and subscribe.